It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Quickly to Wall. Wall measures. Deal. Gets open for three. Welcome to the Locked On Wizards podcast. I'm your host, Noah Getzel, and the Wizards snapped their five-game winning streak tonight to the Philadelphia 76ers. The final score there was 115-102. The Wizards were coming off uh, their back-to-back after beating the Pacers last night. So we've got two awesome guests for the show tonight. Um, my frequent co-host, Arthur Renault. You can find him on Twitter as the District Mamba. And how you doing tonight, Arthur? <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, for some reason, not as pissed off as I should be after a Wizards loss, but here we are. And then we found uh, some other random scrub on the team off, off like the streets who seemed pretty conversational, and we want to invite him onto a podcast too. What's going on, Garrett? Wow. Oh, nice intro. Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> Great to be here. Glad I'm the star of the show. Can tell. Oh I'm kidding. God. I'm kidding. Garrett's gonna be with us a bunch. Uh, for these podcasts. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Garrett? Yeah. Uh, fourth year at UVA. I'm a frequent contributor to Wizards Extra. Going to Been to a couple games this year and, of course, watch every Wizards game. Been a fan since 03, so I, I consider myself pretty knowledgeable about the team. Are you still covering um, the UVA Lady Cavaliers basketball team, too? Yes, I am. That's uh, It's been going well and in conference play so that's good after a rough start that was looking like it wouldn't have been fun cover but they're doing better nice all right so the wizards uh really were were smoked early but kept making some comebacks in this one uh what do you do when your team drops down you know the the opponents score 30 points before you even hit double digits arthur it was 30 to 9 uh in the first quarter of this one yeah, man, like this uh, this game to start off, I mean, during the pregame coverage, uh, Kara Lawson was talking about how the energy in the stadium was pretty ramped up. I think the 76ers were hosting the uh, Eagles offensive line, 
and they had the mascot and the, the Eagles cheerleaders there. So obviously, still high off of that Super Bowl. So it was, I don't know, it was like playoff intensity to start off. And honestly, like they couldn't miss a single shot. They were just on fire tonight. So very difficult to get upset when they're just making everything. Yeah. Can you blame the Wizards defense? Uh, I would be curious to see what uh, Garrett thinks, but just, I mean, it wasn't the worst that we've ever seen it, but it also wasn't the best. Like, you could tell it was the second night of a back-to-back, but even when they got over that, you know, energy burst from the first quarter, like, they still, the Sixers still could not miss a shot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the I don't think the defense the defense in the first quarter wasn't great, if we're being honest. But it wasn't the problem. The Sixers are fantastic. I think they showed some uh, on the TNT broadcast some stat that the Sixers are just fantastic in the first quarter, and that starts to trail off throughout the game. So, I mean, if you're the Wizards, you need to know that, recognize that, and realize that you still have three more quarters of a team that's you're probably you're most likely going to outscore the rest of the game. So, I think that it wasn't really as much. I mean. We, we lacked energy in the first quarter. The defense wasn't there, but it wasn't like the Wizards of maybe 15 games ago where the defense was just horrible, and that's the reason completely why we lost, you know? Yeah. It, was, it was a good combination. That first game back since the Super Bowl, um, possibly for any Philadelphia team, I know the Sixers hadn't played, I don't know about the Flyers, but it was just, I mean, I could just tell from watching the game, it was, it was a crazy atmosphere there. Um, all the, the Eagles players got introduced, and it's tough to win with that kind of momentum going for for the home squad in Philadelphia. Um, the Sixers hit 14 three-pointers, uh, 14 out of 28. The Wizards, once again, really struggled from beyond the arc. Uh, what's going on with that three-point defense that had been so strong for the Wizards? Uh, what do you think, Garrett? I mean, I don't. I think the 76ers were just hot, and they've got some shoot. I mean, when people like Dario Sarch and... Joel Embiid are hitting threes there's nothing you can do these are near seven footers you know mm-hmm. so I mean at the start you could say Gortat could have been up a little bit closer on Embiid so he doesn't get going you know into that rhythm how many but, years have you been saying that though how long have we been saying that forever <laughs> I mean, Kelly <laughs> yeah, Olenek I in the playoffs last year that he's struggled no, I, know. It's, I think he's years and years. I, I, it, they're so worried about Embiid moving past him that he's gonna take that that three-point shot if he's gonna if he's gonna give it to him but I mean Players like J.J. Redick, you know coming in that they're they're the focal point, and you need to stop running at Ben Simmons off the line and just focus on Redick. It was annoying me the amount of times they'd run Ben Simmons off the three-point line or off a jumper, and it's like, this dude does yep. not want to shoot past 15 feet. Just just back off on him and make sure Redick isn't spraying. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Simmons, they were just hot. Simmons had a solid game. He shot 6-8. It seemed like it was all in the paint. Um didn't take a single three-pointer. He had uh, eight rebounds, sorry, eight assists and six rebounds to go along with that. And then Embiid was uh, leading the Sixers. He looked unstoppable. He hit three three-pointers, three of seven, had 27 points along with 12 rebounds and three blocks too. So big game from the process. Once again, uh, Beal dropped 30 for the Wizards. Uh, a ton of those were in the second half. He really stepped up. Um, recently he did that when was that? The last home game, uh, he had like two points in the first half and finished with like 17 the next quarter. I think that was against the Raptors. But the Wizards kept getting close and knocking on the door in the fourth quarter. It was, I believe, about an eight-point game. Arthur, why do you think the Wizards couldn't quite string together that comeback? Uh, honestly, it felt like every time the Wizards got it down to nine or eight, uh, 
the Sixers just hit a timely three-pointer. Uh, like we were talking before the podcast started, uh, Justin Anderson hit some, I think he only hit two three-pointers. No, he hit one three-pointer, but I swear they feel like 10 sometimes. But right when the Wizards are gaining momentum, you know, Anderson will hit a three. Uh, Covington would hit a three. Covington hit two three-pointers, and I wouldn't be surprised if those two were at some of the biggest uh, moments in the game in terms of the Wizards trying to make a comeback. But it, it was a very, um, like, everything went right for the Sixers. You know, uh, Embiid had 27 and 12. Uh, we mentioned Ben Simmons' numbers. Uh, off the bench, McConnell had a pretty good game. Defensively, was a little a little pest against everyone that was trying to go up against him. And, yeah, it was just very difficult to get get back into the game when the Sixers just couldn't miss and hit big shots. But ultimately, you're happy that the Wizards lost this, right? That's what you're saying on Twitter, at least. Maybe not happy, uh, but <laughs> it's a good sign. Maybe not happy, but also just to kind of calm you know, the waves a little bit of this team being better without Wall. Even though Wizards fans and Wizards media know for sure that the correct narrative is that the Wizards are a better team without an injured uh, John Wall with an injured John Wall that is the best uh, Wizards team that we ha- or without an injured John Wall that is the best Wizards team that we have um, but yeah it, not looking too ahead of ourselves but Thursday night against the Celtics that's going to be a, a huge test for this team and could even humble them even more absolutely now uh, thanks so much for the recap of uh, this loss against the Sixers We're going to take a real quick break and then talk a little bit about the pregame interview with John Wall um, on the jump and Michael Michael Smith and some of the contact comments that he doled out about some of the criticism that he's been facing and you know people saying the Wizards might be a better team without him. So hold tight. We'll be right back on the Locked On Wizards podcast. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Wizards podcast. This is your host, Noah Getzel, and I'm joined tonight by Garrett Schaefer, who is not a scrub, in case uh, I just want to clarify my comments earlier. He did, we didn't just find him off the street. He's a good guy. <laughs> we appreciate you having being here. Garrett, um, can you let everyone listening know what your Twitter name is so people can follow you, what your Twitter yeah, account handle is? Yeah, that's uh, at Sad Wizards fan, the irony. <laughs> you know, the I years of being a Wizards fan. No underscores or anything? Developed. Just one nope. word? Just okay. at Sad Wizards fan. And then Arthur, you're the District Mamba. Ow, ow! And are without, any... the, without the the, but yeah. Okay, just under, okay, just at District Mamba. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And then I'm uh, Noah. I'm really boring. You guys have cool Twitter names. I'm just Noah, N-O-A-H underscore G-O-E-T-Z-E-L. My last name's Getzel. Rhymes with pretzel. So. Well, how you just kind of trashed uh, Garrett, you could change your handle to mgortot13. I like that. 
Oh, or Thornton for life, maybe something like that. Oh God, the milk dud. Ruffins. I can't think of an R word, but I was trying to come up with a big con. Anyway, uh, John Wall has been taking a lot of heat. There's even been trade rumors swirling because of his left knee injury. Uh, he just had surgery, I believe, last week, and he's going to be out six to eight weeks. Um, I had a bit of a left knee injury myself in a basketball game tonight, but this podcast isn't quite about me. So let's talk about John Wall. He said that it wasn't classy, all the Wizards talking about this whole new everybody eats motto. He said the first time he thought nothing of it, but then... You know, as more and more people start talking about it, it was uh, Bradley Beal first, and then Kelly Oubre is using that phrase. Should, uh, do you think there's serious shade and locker room issues going around with the Wizards? Uh, are they, you know, are, is the rest of the team, you can't speak for everybody, but uh, Garrett, do you think that, that guys are taking these rumors seriously and thinking the team might be better off without Wall, their leading assist man? I think that if they think that, they're delusional. They know what John Wall does for them. They know how much he gets people paid, so they can't think that. But what I want to start is with the everyone eats comments. I think at this point it's almost ironic that they're saying like they're saying it ironically because they know what the media, how the media is taking it. So the way I like when Brad just stared into the camera the second time and just said everybody eats. You know, I think I think he knew what he was saying, and I don't think he's taking shots at Wall at this point. But the Gortat one is definite shots and wall, and I think that needs to be needs to be examined more. Yeah, so let's go over that comment one more time. Um, so Wall said, like, I know what I do. I know what I bring for the team. I'm a team player, average almost 10 assists a game. I'm prideful in finding my teammates and getting these easy shots. It was more shocking to hear what Gortat, uh, hear it from Gortat, understanding that he gets most of his assists from me the most spoon-fed baskets ever. <laughs> and so Gortat, after the Wizards beat the Raptors February 1st, he's like, unbelievable win tonight, great team victory. Seems like a completely normal tweet, but just the fact that he put team in quotes, which I talked about with uh, uh, Dustin Allwood uh, just last night, it kind of says, okay, now we're a team. We weren't a team with John Wall because he was playing selfish, essentially. Our, so, Arthur, you post on Twitter... Like, retweet if you have no issue with Walt, with what J- Wall said. You got, like, 60 retweets and counting. I didn't even keep track. But what's your reaction to to his, his comment? And, like, publicly on TV, he's, you know, starting beef with his teammate, who he later clarified, uh, you know, we, we're great teammates. Everything's been great the past couple of years. Uh, basically, <laughs> what's your reaction? I know that Gortat is possibly going to be traded. <laughs> Yeah, so I think for the most part, my initial reaction to that was, I mean, he finally cleared the air and spoke nothing but facts, but I think after processing it a little bit more, and you mentioned the tweet that I put out, um, some of the responses that I got in it was that people didn't necessarily have an issue with what Wall said, because I think we all know, like, he does set up his teammates and especially Gortat with some easy buckets, but it is the way that it was said. So it'd be different if maybe in a couple weeks a report came out that Wall had mentioned that you know he spoon feeds spoon feeds Gortat baskets every game. 
and it was just like an insider that heard it that overheard it over like a team meeting or something versus a national spotlight interview and the tone that you set it in and the timing and suddenly the Gortat is uh the Wizards are trying to trade Gortat and suddenly his minutes go really really down in a crucial game in Philadelphia so it's just it, it the timing and the way that it was done probably could have been handled better but I had no problem with what he said because honestly I think eventually after years you know you can only be a professional for so for so many years and as I had mentioned, I was going through some old tweets, and I, I, I found one from 2016 about how during a game, Wall um, fed Gortat for, a, I guess, a ball that was dunkable. And instead of dunking it, Wall or Gortat tried to lay it up or do a push shot or a hook shot. And Wall could be seen cursing at Gortat, at telling him to dunk the damn ball instead of missing it and getting blocked. <laughs> So it's definitely been something that's building. If you watch games that you can see Wall gets frustrated when Gortat doesn't finish like a really nice pass because that's messing up a highlight. That's messing up uh, an Instagram video that gets like 100,000 views and everybody hypes it up. And I so know... it's, Go ahead. it's a big deal. <laughs> I know we talked uh, before this podcast, we're introducing a new what if Wednesday for our Wednesday podcast and we have a couple ideas that we're about to share in the next segment but one of the ones you mentioned Arthur was what if Marcin Gortat could dunk the basketball which cracked me up (laughs) so Arthur where do you stand on this uh sorry not Arthur Garrett Arthur obviously hates on Gortat and has been doing so since what you say 2015 uh are you also on the the train that wants to get Gortat out of town is okay with, you know, having him traded in terms of all the negative comments that he's, he's constantly bringing about the locker room. What's, what's your opinion on this guy? I can see the good and bad from him. Yeah. I was uh, never as much of a Gortat hater as most of wizards Twitter would appear to be over the past couple of years. But uh, the recent comments have kind of had me shift my thoughts because I, I defended him. He's a great screen setter. You know, his defense is sometimes average, but most of the time, he, he I mean, he's playing every night. He's given his effort. So I, I was never on him. But when you start internal struggles with the team and, and cause all this drama on national TV, then I think he doesn't – he's not He's not Bradley Beal. He's not John Wall. You know, he's not a franchise cornerstone. He's a 30-plus-year-old center in a dying age where we need centers to shoot threes. So – I'm not. I wouldn't be mad if they moved him for a piece. I wouldn't. I'm not someone who needs Gortat on my team, or I'm mad. But I mean, I wasn't. I don't think he he gets more hate than he necessarily deserves. I'll say mm-hmm. that. To, Seems like the Wizards now have the pieces to essentially re- replace all of his productivity in terms of Mahimni rebounding, and then Mike Scott um, converting on the pick and rolls, and being a, a polished uh, offensive. You know, polished offensive game. Um, it seems like Gortat's strengths were, of course, his durability. I don't think he's missed any games, missed any starts. But just the screen assists and the tap-out rebounds offensively, he really does the dirty work and doesn't get any credit. And for a little bit, he was upset that he's not getting the ball just because, you know, that's the way the NBA is going. You don't really pound the paint unless you're Embiid or DeMarcus Cousins or something like that who shoots threes anyways. Both of them do. But... 
I, I mean, yeah, I'm over it. I, I, I don't know if he's 32 or 33, but just the fact that he said he wants to retire in Orlando in the midst of a season where his team is in playoff position and they've been to the playoffs, you know, the past few seasons, it's, it's just weird to me. Like, I don't, I don't know what his level of respect is with, with his teammates, but it's, it's not, it's not the right vibe in the locker room and it's a horrible locker room. Anyways, Arthur, do you think that Cleveland or Washington will have a better finish to the season? I am, I mean, it's very difficult to pick because we've seen the Cavaliers struggle during the season, and it appears that every year, or the last couple of years, it's like, oh, this Cavs team, this is not the team that's going to make it to the finals, and then they make it to the finals, and lo and behold, they win one of those. So I'm not, I'm not going to be the one that puts Cleveland in front of, uh, or that puts the Wizards in front of Cleveland. But if this, if there was any year that it was going to be, and this was said before the season started, this was going to be the year to make the run, to make that final push. Once Gordon Hayward went down, it was the door is wide open. And then now, like, the Cavaliers are faulting. And Kyrie Irving has a knee injury that he's dealing with. Mm-hmm. So the opportunity was there. The Raptors um, never do anything in the playoffs. Let's remember that. Right, and the the Raptors, yeah, I mean, I know they do well. I, I feel like every time I see anything about the Raptors, it's like, oh my god, they're so great. Like, they've improved, they changed their style of game. But every time we play them, like, Kyle Lowry, you know, gets a technical, whining about fouls. DeRozan, for the most part, goes off, but... You know, then there's really not a third piece that's a huge threat. If it's not like in previous years, Terrence Ross or Lou Williams getting on fire from three pointers. So I, I'm not really worried. And we just beat them twice without Wall. So I, I'm not entirely sure. But one last thing about Gortat that you guys both mentioned I think that the comment that ended it for me and that I thought that this was going to be the end, you know, ahead of the trade deadline on Thursday was the retirement comment. Cause that was even including this like incident right now with the team win that retirement comment about in the middle of the season, you know, you're contemplating what you're going to do next year and how you want to retire mm-hmm. uh, against the arrival, you know, that we were playing that night. Like that, what type of mentality does that give the locker room? What type of motivation do you have to play when one of your teammates that you're relying on because he's a starter right. is contemplating retirement? That was the one that ended it for me because that just screams like locker room cancer, locker room, you know, unsettled like teammates, and then the team meeting went wrong. So it's. It's just something that has to be removed, and that's what basically ended it for me. Absolutely. Yeah, Gortat's an interesting character. We're going to get into our what-if for the night, um, which is going to be what if John Wall never hit that game-winning three in Game 6 against the Celtics to force the Game 7. So we're going to get right to that after a word from our sponsors. So stay right here. Stay locked in to the Locked On Wizards podcast. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. 
Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome back to the Locked On Wizards podcast. Once again, your host, Noah Getzel, here with Arthur Renault and uh, Garrett Schaefer tonight after the Wizards dropped their uh, game on the road to the Philadelphia 76ers, snapping their five-game winning streak. So John Wall's been out. Uh, The Wizards had been great before Wall left. Of course, we talked about all the controversy that stirred. Is it justifiable to say that 27-year-old John Wall... Is he 27 or 28? I don't know. Anyway, Garrett, is, is he... A good leader of this team. It seems like there, you know, that players meeting went horribly wrong earlier around November. Um, there have been criticisms about him left and right. D- do you think he has what it takes to be the leader of the Wizards for the future? He's locked up long term. Yeah, I think I think he does, and he definitely has shown it over the past years. He's is he currently the long? He's got to be the longest tenure Wizard at this point. I mean, for a while now, so. He, he's been around, he's seen the bad, he's seen the good, he's developed these young players, been with them. I I know that Ubre and, and Beal and those guys, they do look up to him still. They still mm-hmm. believe he's their leader. So I don't think he's lost any of that support. I mean, guys like Marchin, sometimes you just never gain that full respect that you need just because they've been in the league, they've seen other things, they have other you know ideas about how basketball should be played. But he, He's I gotten think further the in the part, playoffs too. He's got to the finals. Yeah, Not so, because of I him, mean, of course. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was Dwight Howard, but well, that's another story. But yeah, no, I think I think John Wall definitely has that leadership quality, and he, I mean, he just needs to stay out of the media sometimes. But sometimes you got to tell it like it is to to show that you're a leader, you know. So, absolutely, he is 27, by the way, so he's still got a lot of basketball left in him. And so we debated a couple of different topics for this uh, regular "What If Wednesday" um, segment that we're gonna do every Wednesday. We talked about whether. Uh, Porter, well, like, what if the, the Wizards got the rim protector, Rudy Gobert, instead of Otto Porter in 2013? What if uh, Wall comes back to the Wizards right at the tail end of the season after they have, let's say, a phenomenal final 30 games or so, however many games are left, and then the Wizards drop 0-2 with home court advantage in the playoffs? What would happen there? Would he be benched for Sadoransky? But we landed on Arthur Renault's favorite topic, and we're going to talk about last year's playoff series against the Celtics. So, I'll just let you take it away, Arthur. Talk talk to me about this Game 6 shot that Wall made. Okay, I just wanted to pause long enough. It was Garrett's idea. Um, oh, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My idea was the... If, <laughs> I thought you were setting me up to, like, troll, and then... <laughs> but my idea was the what if Gortat could dunk. His, Garrett's was what if John Wall missed the shot. <laughs> okay. Garrett, why yeah. don't you why don't you take it from here then? Let's go. Yeah. So I mean, that shot. I was at the game six when when it happened. So that was one of the most iconic Wizards moments for me. We didn't win that game, but so the question is, if John Wall doesn't hit that game six game winning shot, are we still looking at it at him as this untradeable guy? This this uh, leader figure right now? Are we? Do all the Wizards fans have the same feeling about him or? Do you think that more people would be open to a trade if he had just walked up and bricked that shot right at the end there? Arthur, I know you're itching to answer yeah. this. 
that's uh that's definitely when yeah when you came up with that idea that like blew my mind because then it changes the the whole off season so during the off season wall had that you know show on youtube uh ball is life with his workouts so it's instead of motivation to like be able to finish out a game seven it's like motivation to come back from missing a jump shot but then on the flip side that slow start that he had and then the injury that he has we're looking at it as we just gave john wall who missed a crucial jump shot a la paul george who's still haunted by you know missing that one jump shot to lose a playoff series after having that Gatorade commercial come out with him making a game-winning three. Um, we're now questioning Wall's health. We're questioning his leadership on top of everything that's going on right now. And we're questioning if he can even perform at an elite level to be someone that we can rely on when the game is on the line. And I just think that had he missed that shot and everything you know, worked out the same way that it has, I think things would be a little bit different. Uh, And especially with seeing how the Wizards, until tonight, were playing lights out and moving the ball and everybody was contributing, you know, I think the conversation would be different. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think um, another thing that would really go into question and stew up some of these trade talks is, is John Wall, like, the future of NBA point guards because if he misses that three, of course it's just one shot, but everyone's going to say, Oh, he can't shoot. He can't shoot. He can't make the big shots when they happen. Uh, you can probably say the same thing after game seven. Cause he was missing all over the place. He clearly had no legs left, but you know, when you look at Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving, even Russ and James Harden was playing a lot of point guard, not this season, but last one, if wall is going to be sloppy and lazy on defense, and only play in short spurts, then, you know, like, how how beneficial can he be when he's a liability shooting the ball? Of course, he's improved a lot, but I think, I, I don't know. I would, would the Wizards talk more seriously about trading him? Would he have gotten the money he wanted? And if he didn't get that money, would he still even be on the team this season? Lots of interesting questions, but I ultimately don't, I don't think it's all dependent on that one shot because the Wizards still lost the series. They lost Game 7, um, it wasn't, it was close until the fourth quarter, but ultimately, like, I don't think you can put that much weight on one game. Sure, it's the wiz- the biggest shot the Wizards have made in a number of years and kind of helped raise him to the next level, but until you get out of the second round of the playoffs, man, like, you know, yeah, there's, there's still I, I a lot mean, of criticism. That, that shot he made, though, like, I'll never forget that night, because, uh, I was supposed to watch it with like a bunch of people and I ended up watching it just at home. And I remember, you know, that game basically looked like every episode that we've seen from this Wizards team in the playoffs with a big home game, game six, lose and you're gone. Mm-hmm. And you're playing, you're, you're, you're fighting through and then just all these things happen that go against you winning. Like, Isaiah Thomas made so many, like, tough jump shots. Al Horford banked in, like, a, like, bullcrap jump shot with the shot clock running out. And once Wall hit that three-pointer, 
I don't know how I'll ever react if a Wizards or, you know, any of my other teams win a Super Bowl or a NBA Finals, but I cried like a baby when mm-hmm. he hit that because I saw how much time was left, and I was like, oh, man, this is plenty of time for our ha- our hearts to get ripped out like they always are. And, you know, thankfully somehow he missed, and forever that day, that memory, that shot, that game, is basically the equivalent of a championship until a championship replaces it because that's just how much it meant a game seven after you know basically surviving a game six that we've lost year after year after year and i mean to think like even though he made that shot you know the, the wizards still have struggled this year a lot of criticism falls on wall shoulders he has shot poorly he's made more three a higher three-point percentage than any other season but he's shooting just 41.7 percent which is the worst since his rookie year he's getting less rebounds than ever and he obviously hasn't been healthy um but you know you gotta wonder like how much does that shot change your summer change your workout regimen because like no matter what he's gamer like it doesn't matter if it goes six games or seven games he's still upset that they didn't get a chance to test the Cavs. So it's it's a good what if. Um, I like it, and I think um, Garrett, do you have any final thoughts on this matter? Yeah, I mean, my, the whole thing. I think it just changes the narrative. I don't think it changes how John Wall looks at anything. If that shot, you know, it's just a, a general narrative of how does the media see it? Are we talking more about can John Wall lead a team past you know past the second round even more because he doesn't have this jump shot? We'd be talking this year about does he have a jump shot? You know, so I think it's just it helps it helps belay the nar- or delay the narrative that uh, John Wall doesn't really can't really shoot the ball. Thank you, Garrett. I promise never to shed all that shade on you again, and I'm looking forward to having you back on the podcast soon. Uh, we've hit the 30 minute mark and then some, so I think we're gonna call it a night here thank you guys for for staying up late uh after this 8 p.m start time and once again the wizards dropped to the sixers on the road who were all sorts of giddy after the super bowl victory on sunday um they'll be facing the boston celtics at home who they beat christmas day on thursday so tune in for the next edition of the locked on wizards podcast arthur thanks so much for the insight and garrett i really appreciate this new what if wednesday it's going to be a tradition every wednesday podcast look forward to it and in terms of all the kind of uh rough relationships that's been going on with the wizards in the locker room and all you know all the talk that they've been having back and forth i leave you with this song that begs a simple question why can't we be friends thanks so much guys have a good night we'll talk to you next time on the walk on wizards podcast
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.